welcome to the High Vibe and Healthy Podcast. My name is Fran Dargaville and I'm a functional nutritionist with a passion for gut health and real food. I'm here to share my take on nutrition and health, answer your questions and chat with leading health and wellness experts and all-round inspiring humans. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy Podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Tony Marinucci, who is a registered dietitian on a mission to end the restrictive diet culture by providing simple strategies to help people commit to healthier living in a realistic, evidence-based way. So if you're one of those people who feels like you're always on or off the wagon, this episode is going to be perfect for you, exactly what you need today. We speak about the commonalities between dieting, dating, and romantic relationships, which is a really fun conversation. We also chat about emotional eating, what it actually is, and how you can start to overcome it. And we chat about how you can identify whether your relationship with food is healthy or maybe not so healthy. But before we get into the episode, I do just quickly want to remind you about the giveaway. If you're listening to this podcast when it goes live, the giveaway is still open for another nine days. You could win an epic pack of medicinal mushies from Tea Elixir, which includes chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, and reishi, which have all sorts of incredible benefits, including gut health, immune support, stress management, and so much more. And also a gut health supplement pack from me with all of my favorite gut-loving supplements. You can enter from anywhere in the world and all you need to do is leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes or Google, or you can do both, telling me what you love about the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. Each review is one entry, so if you leave a review on iTunes and Google, you get two entries, but you can only do one entry per platform. It's been awesome seeing all of your reviews rolling in, so keep them coming and you will go in the draw to win one of these awesome prizes. The giveaway has already started and it ends on the 4th of June, 2021, and I'll be announcing the winners on the podcast and Instagram on the 16th of June, 2021. Okay, let's get into the episode. Hey, Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Could you share with us a little bit about your journey and how you came to do the work you do today? Absolutely. I grew up in, so I'm from America. I'm from the United States. I live in New York and I grew up on an island. It's called Long Island. I don't know if you have any, where if you have listeners from um, the U.S., but maybe they've been to Long Island and they kind of know what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, um, it's a, it's a great it's a great place to grow up and all that to say I grew up with my loving parents and my family who was Greek and Italian so I'm Greek and Italian I have a Greek and Italian culture and backgrounds and if you know anything about that culture it's all about food and food is love and it's your way to express and it was like all all good <laughs> but unfortunately with always eating and everything always being about eating. Um, I was tend to, I was overweight compared to my peers. 
And I was, you know, I was honestly the happiest kid I could remember. Like I just always was just smiling and dancing. And I didn't know that my body was an issue until I was told that my body was an issue. Um, so unfortunately I carried that on me um, for a long time. And I really just lacked self-confidence, lacked self-esteem, um, just always felt like I couldn't do what I wanted to do because my weight got in the way. And I was made to feel like, oh, even to the point where I felt like I would never get a boyfriend, like nobody would ever love me. Like as I got older, it started to turn into some real issues. When I was younger, it was like, oh wow, that hurt, that kid hurt my feelings. He called me fat, that, that made me feel bad. Then as I got older, it really started to hold me back in things. And so the reason why I became a registered dietitian is because, you know, when I was trying to lose weight, I first went about it in very unhealthy and destructive ways. And I think honestly, when most people go about weight loss, they do it in a way that I did, which was a lot of restriction, a lot of under eating, but that always leads to overeating. And then I would exercise excessively in ways to find ways to get it out. And it was just a very vicious cycle. I had no energy. I was not happy. And even, and the weight wasn't even coming off after all that. So I got really frustrated, really tired um, and annoyed by it. And so I started to, instead of like going the restrictive route, I really started to just focus on how food was making me feel rather on, rather than on how food made me look. And I really started to read labels and I started to incorporate things like more vegetables, more water. And I really just started to change my outlook on food and create kind of healthier behaviors. And I started to feel really good. And more importantly, my confidence grew. Once again, weight on scale, anything didn't change, but my view of it completely changed. Everything changed. Um, and so I felt like there was something there to explore. And so that's why I decided to go to school to become a registered dietitian, because I wanted to be the person that, you know, I needed when I was really struggling, when I was restricting, overeating, emotional eating, you know, doing all the, these things and working really hard, um, but not really getting anywhere. And so I want, I basically use my journey to inspire people to find balance in their eating habits and more importantly, love themselves from the inside out and be able to detach their weight from their worth. Um, since that's what I struggled with most of my life. And then through going to school and overcoming that and lots of therapy, <laughs> I was able to, um, really just like stay in my power and have confidence. And, you know, I love what I do. And now I love being able to help others do this, do that too. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so cool. I mean, I've got a completely different sort of area of people that I work with, you know, people with a lot of chronic digestive concerns, and that's right. definitely fueled right. by my own journey as well. So when you can actually right. really relate to people and what they're going through, you know, especially when it's something that affects your life so much, I think that is so, so powerful. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I'd love to know, Tony, what you've seen, um, you know, other practitioners maybe you know the advice people have given that's maybe not so healthy because I'm just thinking of my own personal experience going to a dietitian um I think I was probably around 18 and it was for um sailing performance and it was just the advice and the recommendations that I got were I found them to just be really really unhealthy I was actually trying to gain weight at the time and I was told to eat Mars bars to, to gain weight. And I saw, so that was the advice that I got. And then one mm. of my, uh, one of the girls that I was sailing with, she was being told that she had to, to lose weight. And that was done in a really, really mm. unhealthy weight that she was basically mm. just eating 
salads like leafy green salads with no dressings or nothing and that was just really really unhealthy and I saw the different sort of advice that we'd been given and how that played out in a really unhealthy and unproductive way in both of our lives so have you seen this happen um, with you know dietitians or other people in the health industry as well you know this sort of harmful and unhelpful advice Mm, absolutely absolutely exactly what you just described it's kind of just oh if you need to lose weight then just eat less and if you want to gain weight eat more but there's no guidance there and like yes if we break it down to science like do you need to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight yeah taking in less calories than your body burns yeah do you if you're going to put on weight then you need to take in more calories, more energy than your body burns. Like it is science, but there, we know there's so much more to that, right? There's quality of life, there's gut function, there's uh, mood, there's energy, you know, there's bowel movements, there's um, immune, your immune system. Like there's so many factors at play. And then there's also consistency and sustainability. So we don't have, you know, we say this in America that, um, you know, we don't, you know, it's not that nobody knows how to lose weight. People know how to lose weight. We just can't keep it off. And it's, it's not the person's fault. It's because of diet culture and things that are being portrayed in the media about just eat less and work out more. Right. But I mean, I just told you that when I did that as a kid, it didn't work. And I know hundreds of bazillion other people who've come to me where that just doesn't work. And even if it did, it's not necessarily healthy. And so the other thing that I like to point out is that the term healthy, when most people think of healthy, they really just think of like physical health. They just think of like, oh, that means I need to, you know, eat healthier things and look a certain way and, and maybe work out. That's all they think about. But when I think of healthy and when I get my clients to think about how they want to be healthy, I always ask them to take into consideration, not just their physical health, but their mental health and making sure that they're, you know, happy and not anxious and have energy and are, you know, being connected with their loved ones and like all that's important. And so if you take somebody who's trying to lose weight and you put them only on eating salads, well, they're not going to be connected with their loved ones because they're not going to know how to navigate going out and being social with friends or family. You know, it's not going to be sustainable. They're not going to include all these different nutrients in their diet. So they might develop deficiencies down the line. Um, and their energy will be up there. I mean, there's just so many things. And then on the other side, if someone wants to gain weight or what you just described was like, it was within, you know, if it's some kind of a sport or some kind of a skill, like you want to make sure that you're fueling properly and giving your body the energy that you need to support whatever it is that you're trying to attain. There's also very, you know, more nutritious foods that we can incorporate, like, you know, olive oil and avocado and nut butters and foods that carry more calories, but are also going to carry other nutrients. So both sides don't, you know, we don't want the extreme of extremely limited and then the extremely kind of like anything goes because nothing really will ever work in the long run if we stay in those extremes and it doesn't help with someone's overall health if we're thinking about both their physical health and their mental health. Yeah, absolutely. I I really love that. And I agree with you there on that. And, you know, like you said, the whole point of doing all of this and, you know, whether it's weight loss or working on your health in general is so that you can feel really good so that you can get back to doing the things that you want to do with your life, you know, feeling good about yourself and enjoying your life. It's not, you know, we're not doing this just for the sake of dieting and restriction because it can really consume your entire life. Yeah, yeah. That and, and, and looking a certain way. 
I think a lot of people are so fixated on a number on a scale or a pant size or having abs or whatever it is. And honestly, nobody cares. Only you care. Like if we're being really honest about the thing that matters the most is that you're taking care of yourself. And sometimes taking care of yourself better by eating more balanced, moving your body, letting yourself, you know, giving yourself some rest, staying hydrated with water, setting boundaries, all the things that I would encourage somebody to do if they really want to take care of their overall health and their wellness, their well-being. Yeah, it might yield some weight loss. They might change their body composition, but that's just a side effect of taking care of you. But if you're like actively going after like, I'm not going to be happy until I weigh X amount of pounds or kilograms or, you know, I wear this size pant or whatever, like you're always going to be disappointed. It's never going to feel like enough. Um, And it's just that you're missing out on life if you go about it that way. Yeah, that is so, so true. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you might be able to relate with this as well from my own experience when I was being really restrictive with what I ate and counting calories and macros and training really hard in the gym. Yes, my body probably looked, you know, better. I was fitter than I was now, but I was so much more unhappy because all yeah. I, everything I was doing in my life was about controlling how I looked. Mm. Whereas now I just, you know, eat the foods that I want to eat. I love food so much and that's a big part of my life I Mm -hmm. love moving my body and surfing and you know doing exercise and all that kind of stuff and it's not about how I look and naturally my body's found you know a set point and I'm feeling good but I'm not focused on that so I'm in much better mental space for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and you you said a really strong word that I think the listeners need to kind of um think about where you said you were trying to control a lot of things. And now you're not, now you're kind of just like doing all the things. And I think what happens is when someone tries to count every macro, um, count every calorie, make sure that they get, they burn X amount of calories with their workouts or workout for this and many days. And it's just so rigid. Listen, there's nothing wrong with doing those things. And so I do, I do take a unique approach in nutrition and you know, it's okay. If you want to track your macros, it's okay. If you want to count your calories, honestly, all that really matters is your mindset behind it. So if that's all you're doing and that's what you're fixated on and it's because you feel like maybe your life is out of control or something's going on in your relationship that's out of control or I mean, hello, pandemic, you feel out of control, you know, and that's what you're fixating on. Like that's not that's not going to fix your problems. That's not it. That's just what you, you know, it's easier to kind of choose food to control. And, you know, those are like tangible things when reality is there's probably something emotionally going on that we really need to take a deeper look at. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, all of these things are tools, you know, whether that's just looking at your calories or macros, like I often recommend that clients will do that just for a couple of days to get the information because Mm -hmm. it's helpful information, but when it becomes obsessive and when it becomes about control, then that can definitely have a negative impact on our lives. Yes. Yes. So let's get straight into, I know one of your favorite things to chat about. Could you share with us what dieting, dating, and romantic relationships have in common? Yes, this is my favorite topic ever. (laughs) Um, So about a year ago, I gave my very first TED Talk. So if you go to, you know, YouTube and you type in Once Upon a Diet TED Talk, you will find my TED Talk. Um, And I titled it Once Upon a Diet because I, in, within it, I kind of talk about um, how, 
you know, so many people, so many of us are trying to be like Cinderella stepsisters and like jamming our feet and trying to make things work when they clearly don't, whether it's a relationship or whether it's a diet and trying to just like, so desperately want it to work, you'll like force it to fit, but it's not going to fit. Um, and I talk about the comparisons of why we, how we have to stop being like Cinderella stepsisters and more like Goldilocks where Goldilocks kind of, you know, she tested the waters, she figured out what she liked. Um, and she kind of, you know, she figured it out, but she had to try a little things to do that. So the parallels that I talk about, um, there's actually many of them. So it started, this whole idea came to me because one, um, what I mentioned earlier, you know, I really did have this idea that because I was overweight, I was never going to be in love. No one was ever going to love me until I lost the weight. And I know I'm not alone in that. And it's a really, now that I'm like out of it, damn, is that like really hard to hear? Like, you know, like, that's crazy to me. Like we are all worthy of love regardless of our size. Right. So just need to say that before I continue my story. So, <laughs> um, so I had this depiction in my mind and also enough for nothing. I was actually told early on that like by people, um, in my family that if I never, you know, like my, my grandmother, I love her very much, but in the, in a Greek culture. And I know I'm not, and I know it's not, I know it's not just the Greek culture. I know there's many cultures where the looks matter, the looks really matter and, and, and getting married matters. And so if you don't look the part, then how are you ever going to be suitable for a husband? And it was just like, I was getting told stuff like that at a very young age. Um, and so I did internalize that. And what happened as I got older is I kind of dated anybody that was interested in me because I didn't want, I didn't like, it didn't matter the source, it didn't matter if they were a good fit. It's like, I've never gotten attention before. Like, and also like, this has to work. Like not, I'm not gonna have many opportunities. I'm not gonna have many chances. I really want this to work. So like, I need to make this work. So I would get into relationships and stay in them way longer than I needed to be. And people do that with diets. Like they're so desperate. They wanna lose weight. They'll, they'll find, they'll figure out what their friend's doing, what their mother's doing, what their brother's doing, what their sister's doing. And like, they get into that and they stay hooked on it and they'll just stay in it, stay in it and stay in it. And so like in, I'm so sorry, I'm jumping a bit, but um, in my Ted talk, I talk about like very, like a few different parallels, but I'm actually in the process of finishing up my very first book where I go into it in even greater detail. Um, and I like to describe like, there's two types of, two types of people. There's jumpers and planters. I'm a planter. I'm something that like when I'm committed, I'm not quitting no matter what I can have all the red flags in my face, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm a planner, right? But then there's jumpers and jumpers are kind of just like, they go from like diet to diet, but they don't stay in it long. It's like today's keto, tomorrow's paleo. The next day's they're, you know, doing the next fat. They're doing intermittent fasting. They're doing a cleanse, but like they never really actually try them. They're kind of just like, oh, it's a week. And then they go something else. Like, right. There are many parallels, but um, what I like to help people to recognize is that there's really nothing wrong with either, except when you keep repeating the same pattern over and over and over again and expecting a different result. So what I say in my talk and what I say in the book is that like I dated five versions of the same guy just with a different name and a different face. I was never pausing. I was never reflecting. I was never being introspective about like, why is it that this guy's not working for me? And now, like I see it now, it's just they weren't good fits or I just like wasn't really paying attention to the red flags. Like I was just ignoring them, right? There was, there's many, many parts to that. Um, but so I say that because it's important that if people 
would do that within their diets, right? So I struggled with my dating life. I wasn't good about choosing the right men. I would stay in them longer than I needed to be. When I was single, I just like was completely turned off to dating at all. I was like doing all the opposite things. It was just all or nothing. And that's how people are with their nutrition, right? They're either on a diet or they're off a diet. They don't have that middle ground. They never really go through these diets and actually assess like, you know, what part of that worked for me? They just say, oh, that didn't work or I screwed up or, you know, it's just so you know, finite. And it's also just so matter of fact, when actually there's probably parts of it that were worth actually you going through that process to realize like, you know what, Hey, um, for example, keto can't stand it. But if someone does a keto diet, <laughs> um, they might actually start to recognize like maybe they didn't notice like the sugars that were in some of like their foods or their drinks. And they start to read labels and they start to realize like, Oh, you know what? I can actually eat fruit you know, fruit's great for me. And I can have, you know, my coffee with some sugar in it, but I don't need that to, that's not my whole breakfast. My breakfast is not just like a, you know, coffee with a ton of sugar, right? My breakfast is maybe a coffee with some fruit and some, you know, eggs or whatever. It's more balanced. And they start to take pieces of keto, but they're not doing keto, right? They might take pieces of another plan that they've tried, but they're not doing that plan. And so, all that to say, we need to really just really have honest conversations with ourselves be introspective, whether it's our dating life or our dieting, and really just come to find out what works for us and what doesn't, and then create an individualized plan around that or create, you know, falling in love with yourself so you can attract the right person and knowing what you're searching for, rather than just going for like, okay, what's the first thing that's going to, you know, what's the, who's the first person that's going to get my attention? Oh, you know what, then that must be the one for me. Like you have choices. And I want people to, to know that. Um, and so that's like a lot of parallels, but believe it or not, there's like a thousands more. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what we got. We can cover today. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I think that's, that's really cool to, to point that out. I think it's so interesting what you said and what I see is how people just form these really strong identities, whether it's in relationships, you know, like they're the person, I don't know, you know, that always having these really difficult, dramatic relationships or that kind of thing, or with the diets is, you know, what we see all the time. It's just, they just form such a strong identity about one thing, you know, especially with things like, you know, yeah, keto and vegan diets, people just get so attached and it is just who they are. So we've seen again and again, when people are, you know, no longer keto or no longer vegan, that they then are getting attacked by their communities and they're just trying to find what works for them as an individual. And that's just insane. Like we all have the right to, to fuel ourselves in a way that's, you know, works for us and makes us feel good. So I really see it as such a huge problem. These, um, you know, the, I don't know, it's like the sort of tribal sort of nature or that, you know, really strong identity or label that, is associated with so many of those diets. It just is not healthy. No, not at all. And the other, the other part to that, that's so damaging. It's very similar to if you get into a relationship with someone and that you only spend time with that person. So it's like, you can't go to a family function or you can't go to hang out with your friends unless you're not with your partner. And like, for some people, maybe that works for them. But the point I'm trying to make is like, you still need to, I I wrote a post a couple weeks ago around Valentine's day, or I did a podcast about it. I've talked about it before. Like whether you're in a relationship or not, you need to go on dates with yourself. You know, you need to know what you like, what your passions are. And you don't want to stop doing those things just because you get into a relationship. Like, I can't tell you how many people 
that I've come into contact with there where they said, you know, they're out of a relationship and they don't even remember, they don't even know what to do with themselves. Like they used to watch football with their, with their spouse or their partner and they don't even like football. They just, just what they did every night. So now they have like hours to kill and they don't even know what to do with it. Or I've had people say to me, you know, I actually used to, um, I loved hiking, but my, my partner wasn't into hiking. So like, I don't hike anymore, but you know what? Like now that we're not together, I'm going to go hiking. And I, that's the, the piece of information there is like your next partner, it, it, whether you go hiking or not, they want to hike with you or not. You can't lose sight of the fact that, of, that you love hiking, right? So if you're in a relationship or you're doing a diet or you forget who you are and that becomes your identity, that is not good. <laughs> like you are who you are and you, your partner is part of you. They are not all of you. Right. Yeah. So you're the diet that you're trying. It's, it's part of the things that you eat, but it is not you. Yes, absolutely. That is so true. I, I really love that. And I think, oh, it's just so interesting, you know, both with the food side of things and the relationship side of things. Like I've, uh, got a long-term boyfriend and I've like over the last couple of months, I've done a few longer trips with a bunch of, you know, female friends and it's been so awesome. And I think, you know, in your thirties and beyond people don't really do that anymore, but it's such a good way to, you know, remember what you enjoy and do the things that you yes. want to do when you get in such a a rut with your partner at home if you've got a long-term you know if you're in a long-term relationship or even if you're just living at home by yourself and you're in a bit of a rut and not actually doing the things that you want to do yeah definitely definitely uh so could we chat a little bit about emotional eating now um could you explain a little bit about what that actually looks like and then maybe some steps to begin to overcome it yeah, absolutely. So emotional eating is normal. First of all, I do, I do want to say that. So anybody who struggles with eating when uh, basically technically emotional eating is anytime you eat when you're not physically hungry. Um, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that it's, you know, good or bad or whatever. It's just like, you know, if you're anxious and you eat, that's emotional eating. If you're bored and you eat, that's emotional eating. It's basically anytime you're trying to avoid a feeling. So I guess you could argue that if you're not hungry, but you're happy and you, but no, yeah, technically, yeah. Anything that's not physical hunger and you're eating is emotional eating, which is okay, by the way. So just say, just so you know that that's completely normal. Um, where it becomes problematic is, um, when it's happening every day or most days out of the week, and it kind of really just damages your, um, especially well, I'll just say this if it's if it's attached to like guilt or shame that means that your relationship with food definitely needs some healing um but if it's kind of just like maybe you're on this you know you're trying to maybe you're trying to lose weight or whatever um any any sort of health goal and you find yourself emotionally eating like chances are that doesn't feel good to you so if you're eating when you're sad and your food is your friend food can be your friend but that food's your friend it could also be your foe and that's where it becomes challenging that's where people's relationship with food um, can be a little bit skewed. And so when it comes to emotional eating, I often tell people to know that it's normal, but a couple of things we can do. So one, I find a lot of people, not only are they very high stress, but they're also under fueling and under eating during the day because they're busy and distracted. So when you take somebody who's busy, distracted, stressed out, 
and not eating enough. And then you finally get them to kind of sit and calm down and be able to notice their hunger cues. Now they're really, really hungry, but they're also really tired and really stressed. So that's what we call the danger zone. So I want to make sure that if anybody struggles with emotional eating to the place of like, it could also lead to eating passively comfortably full. Um, and just like, clearly it was an impulsive choice and you didn't actually want it. And you kind of just like chose it in the moment and now you feel bad about it. Um, a couple of things we could do. So the first thing is make sure you're eating enough during the day. I recommend three meals a day. Everyone is different, but I do find that if you're eating three balanced meals where you incorporate some, some sort of carbohydrate that has some dietary fiber, some protein and a fruit or a veggie, some healthy fat to really balance it out. I think that that will definitely at least take care of the physical hunger. And then when it comes to the emotional hunger, where you know you're not hungry, but you want to crunch something, you want to taste something, you want to do something, maybe you're starting to feel emotional, you don't want to cry, so you're trying to not do something, whatever it is, um, that's when we have to kind of pull out like a whole slew of things. So I usually tell people there's about six things that you can change when it comes to emotional eating. So number one, you can change your location. So if maybe you associate sitting on the couch and getting, you know, getting some food, change, change where you sit, you know, don't sit on the couch, sit on the floor, sit in a different room, go in a different room, whatever it is, you can change your location. We could also um, kind of change your response to the stress. So maybe change what you're doing. You can go for a walk, you can call a friend, um, you can journal, that, that's something that we can do. Um, you can change, uh, something I tell people is you can change your taste buds. So maybe you're craving something salty or sweet and that's fine. It's not even changing your taste buds. It's just thinking of something that you can have to kind of um, just calm, like just calm you down. So it's okay, first of all, sometimes you want to eat and you, you're craving ice cream and you have ice cream, that's totally fine. But if it's like an every night sort of a thing and that ice cream leads to the cookies, which leads to the more cookies, we want to be mindful of that. So sometimes I tell people to have like a cup of tea or um, maybe sort of drink some water or some seltzer and maybe go brush their teeth, like stuff like that. That can be super helpful. You can definitely go to sleep. So sometimes emotional eating often happens late at night. So I always tell people like, just go to bed. Like that's the best thing that you can do is you can just go to bed. Um, your, other your other thing you can do is change your options. So like I said, if you're craving something sweet, it's okay to have the ice cream sometimes, but maybe have some fruit, you know, that could be something that you can do. Um, and then the other thing that you can do is change the portion. So very often somebody kind of when they're on the verge of emotional eating, or um, if you struggle with binge eating, it's slightly different, but similar, then, you know, you tend to say like, oh, I'm just going to have a little bit. Well, I actually recommend that if someone really feels like that they're feeling snacky, or they're feeling like they're going to, you know, they feel like eating a lot or snacking a lot, I actually recommend they make like a mini meal, um, or they pre-select their portion. So it could be, you, when it comes to portions, it can be, you know, deciding, you know, if you're going to have some chips and let's say chips and salsa, it's going, picking out the amount of chips that you want to eat. It doesn't have to be the serving size. It could be more, it could be less. It could, you just really have to check in on like, what is going to satisfy me right now? Pour out the bag of chips, 
then pour out maybe the salsa and then put the bag away. So that's an example of changing your portion. The other thing we can do is if you feel like you can't, you're gonna just keep going back for more, sometimes I recommend people making like a mini meal. Um, so basically maybe having leftovers of their dinner, something a little bit smaller, so, um, but also more balanced. So that way they could feel satisfied and they don't feel like, oh, I didn't have that, that much or I only had a little and they kind of just keep going back for more. Something happens with their psyche. I don't know, like people are, tell me that they're able to control their portions a lot better. They don't usually go back for more if they have a mini meal instead. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think there's the times as well when people are actually hungry and they ended up having snacky food like chips or chocolate or something like that doesn't really satisfy you so you end up eating so much more than you otherwise would have wanted to exactly exactly that's a really good tip I really like that so for anyone who is on the diet bandwagon or maybe finding you know experiencing emotional eating and having challenges with that what is the number one piece of advice that you would give them Ooh, one piece. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I, I really, I would really say you have to change the way that you view food, because if you think food is good or bad, and you're not allowed to have this or that, you're constantly going to be kind of toying and playing and focusing on things that don't actually matter. So to, if I had to say it in one sentence, I would say, focus on how food makes you feel rather than how food is going to make you look. So if you focus on how food is going to make you feel and you want to feel good and energized and strong, you're going to choose healthier options most often. But if you're focused only on how food is going to make you look, you're going to feel the pressure to choose those options all of the time. And you're going to forget about the beauty of life and being able to enjoy ice cream and enjoy cookies and enjoy foods that maybe don't have the highest nutritional value, but they help you to connect with loved ones. They help you to feel really good um, in the moment while knowing that if you overconsume those things, then you're not going to feel really good, right? So it's like a catch-22, but the point is, is if you focus on how food's going to make you feel rather than how it's going to make you look, you're going to find the balance in your eating habits. Yeah, I love that. And just, you know, as we've spoken about, just acknowledging that we're all so different. And I guess that's why this whole thing is so challenging because it really requires you to wake up every day, continuously make these positive choices. But if you're constantly reminding yourself to check in with, how you feel and, you know, getting feedback from the food you eat and making choices based on how you feel and, you know, just generally being healthy instead of how you look. Um, Mm. You know, I can see how that over time can really help you overcome the diet cycles and emotional eating. Yes, 100%. So where is the best place for people to find you online, learn more from you, follow along with you, all that stuff? So I would say the place I hang out the most is probably Instagram. So you can follow me on Instagram at tips underscore with underscore Tony with an I that's Tony with an I. Um, or you can go to my website, tipswithtony.com. I have everything from courses to one-on-one coaching. Um, and you could also get on my, uh, um, I actually have a free webinar about how to break up with, um, No, the webinar that I put there now is about how to manage emotional eating. So if you liked what you learned here, you can get a free webinar to learn uh, even more about if you struggle with emotional eating, how to manage that.
Awesome. Thank you. I'll put all of those links in the show notes and everyone will have to go and check Tony out. Thank you so much for your time today. This is a great conversation and I'm sure everyone got loads out of it. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to chat with me about how we can work together to reach your health goals, head to frandargaville.com. To connect with me day to day, Instagram is the place to be. Follow me via my handle at frandargaville. And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.